Hello and welcome to the latest Colin Haller Dream Match Day podcast. I say Match Day, we are the morning after the night before. What we recorded yesterday was frankly nonsense. So we decided to do this properly today. Uh, I'm here with Ruth. Morning. Um, so, I've got a little list of big issues. Um, the first one for me that I want to start off with is by saying let's not use Denmark's quality, sort of, so to speak, as, as an excuse. They are a decent side, they've got some good players, they've got one standout player and they've got frankly some just consistent players mm -hmm. so I don't want us to kind of use that as a as a get out of jail card for yesterday because whilst Denmark are a decent side we're certainly capable of matching them in a lot of areas I, I would agree with that I do think they show they showed that they were a team with some experience yeah. and some sort of collective nouns and I think we were a bit naive um, and perhaps that didn't enable us to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them yeah. in the way that I would have hoped we could have done. Yeah. And I think what you said, experience is important there. Like, they obviously have played for a manager for a while and they know exactly what they're expected to do in a system. You know, there's an element of gigs trying new stuff out, which will kind of, not always, it's not going to work like it did against Ireland every time. So I think that's kind of worth bearing in mind. Um, the most obvious conversation point, I think, um, pre-game, certainly if you and I was... Connor Roberts starting ahead of Gunter, and when I say ahead of, I mean positionally. Um, what were your thoughts on that? It just seemed an odd decision, because if you were playing him to play five at the back, then your balance across that five is wrong, because obviously you, you'd, ideally you'd want three central Especially defenders. when you've got options. For yeah, those and it's, exactly. We haven't, we're not short of choices there, ironically. Yeah. And then... But it looked most of the time like we were playing four at the back, more standard four with him, with Connor Roberts pushing forward as a more standard winger. And it just seemed a strange decision because if you're looking for a white right wing player, we've got other options. Not that he didn't play well on Thursday, but we've got other options where that's a more natural position yeah. for them. Harry Wilson being the obvious choice there. So it just seemed a bit strange. Yeah, I felt like we didn't necessarily need to kind of shoehorn him in. There were definitely um, other players who could have filled that role. And again, I, I felt for the boy because I, I don't think he had a particularly bad game. I don't think he had a great game. But I think part of that is because you're asking a right back to play wing. I know he's played on the wing for Swansea before, but it's very different playing on the wing for Swansea in the Championship than it is playing yeah. international football. And I think there were times when he was sort of conscious of having that attacking role and perhaps was too pushing up too much and then leaving Alan and Ampadu a little bit exposed uh, as well which I don't think helped no, in that whole sort of mess that was our defensive midfield well, I, I think that's a good time to come on to it like we we talked straight after the match about there always seemed to be a 3v2 in midfield with their two were very kind of uh, aggressive in their movement whilst I thought our two were a bit passive I also thought that Ericsson did his bit um, as a as a number ten pressing, whereas Ramsey didn't, and that kind of added to that jumble of of three v two in the middle, and often big gaps between the defensive line and the attacking line. What did you think? No, I would agree with that. I think um, Ampadu yesterday looked like someone who was learning to be a defensive midfielder yeah. in an environment where you really had to be on your toes. Um, and so I think, it's what we were saying at the beginning, actually, I think there's, we're on a learning curve, obviously, and some of those players in particular are on, on a learning curve. 
Um, I mean, the contrast between Thursday and Sunday sort of was Wales epitomised, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, we've always had trouble in doubleheader weekends. And I think that came into play again. We were just a little stretched, people a little bit out of position. And I think that was most manifest in the mismatch in the middle of the field. I think you're right. And I think part of it, I, you know, again, we, we said learning curve a couple of times, and I think that's the key word to take away from this really is, you know, you're right, we haven't traditionally done too well in that, uh, those dull headers. And apparently, if Giggs had won yesterday, he'd be the first Wales manager ever to win two competitive, first two competitive fixtures, which I think tells you everything you need to know. But um, I thought that the problem there, whilst it's a learning curve, also could be kind of considered not ultimately his fault. If he's asking the players to do this high-pressing thing, which we did, and there are lots of fluid movement on, on Thursday night, it's natural that those players are going to be tired. And maybe their club manager doesn't require such a high level of fitness for them to, to play that, that way, whereas Giggs required that extra 10%, and he got it on Thursday. Mm -hmm. But it's very, very difficult to reproduce that um, in such a short period, especially when... You know, again, just that reminder, Ethan Ampadu is 17 years old. He's learning his trade. Um, you know, Tom Lawrence, I know he's been in the Wales setup for a while, but he's still relatively young, learning his trade. The one I was disappointed at, and I'm not kind of digging anyone out here, was, was Ramsey, just because I felt he kind of neglected his defensive uh, responsibilities. And maybe that's because of the manager told him to do that. Um, but my surprise came from the fact that at no point did we look to change it. The, the shape and the way we played remained consistent throughout the 90 minutes. Yeah, that's the bit that concerns me because we keep coming back to this idea that we've got to have a plan B for when plan A, whichever version of plan A it is, but when plan A isn't delivering, yeah. you've got to be able to think on your feet, move things around, and that can't just be a personnel change, that's yeah. got to be a tactical, tactical. change as I well. Agree. And we just didn't seem to have a plan. Clearly, and I'm st I'm still not convinced I knew what the plan A was really no. yesterday. I mean, we talk we've talked plenty of times before about the the contrast between sides when we've had a Wales side, sorry, who know what they're going to do, they're going to be able to play on the break and whatever. But when we can't play like that, we don't know what we're going to do. We, you know, we struggle to break these deep lying defensive sides down a bit, and if we don't, then we don't have a plan B. And that is my kind of negative takeaway, if you like, from yesterday is. That happened again. They sat deep. We had plenty of the ball. We had 50% possession. You wouldn't necessarily think it. We had 50% possession pretty much. And I, I, think we, we just, I think we said we had one, maybe two shots on target in the end. And none of them were a real threat. The only real chance we had was the ball that was after that lovely bit of interplay in the first half. The ball that kind of got squared across and no one applied the finishing touch. Um, and obviously Bale's run, which he kind of just put the ball wide. So that ultimate problem still remains and again I'm not expecting it to be fixed but I'm expecting progress and whilst what we did against Ireland was some progress with a you know with a balance of perspective it was against a very poor side and that was kind of further manifested by the result that we had yesterday where we played a much better side and we looked kind of ordinary again. Yeah I think it's concerning that we we can look so ordinary offensively, have that much possession of the ball yeah. and still look like we don't know what we're doing going yeah. forward. Now clearly we've got ideas because that was manifest on Thursday so it, now it's how can you apply that yeah. to better opposition. Um, I, I think talking about this in, in, in isolation, we're just talking about this game, it 
on the balance of the whole weekend, so to speak, there are definite positives to take. We, you know, we'll kind of we'll go into those on a on a bigger podcast that we'll do in the future. But we are just looking at this isolation. We're not trying to be overly negative. We're just trying to be realistic on the on the situation. I mean, I think ultimately, was it naive to go to Denmark and play the way as we did the night before? We were all super excited by what we saw, but we're fans. <laughs> you know, we're in. <laughs> you know, it's our role to kind of carry that positivity. Was it naive? I mean, we, we said yesterday again, we got a tweet off someone saying that we contain, we seem to have lost the defensive solidity a bit against these bigger teams that we held under Coleman. Um, although the attacking kind of flair is, is, is coming, we, we'd need to find kind of a, a meshed balance between retaining that solidity whilst slowly be able, being able to build that creativity and flair. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's the ultimate aim, isn't it? You want you want to be solid at both ends of the field. Yeah. But I don't think the D is sort of the work in progress that the forward attacking yeah. stuff is. I think the, I think defensively, we're. I mean, we lo- we lost one goal yesterday because we lost Ericsson. Fundamentally, that was yeah. the issue. I don't think the penalty was a penalty, but I don't no, think it. Right. Like you you were saying yesterday, I don't think it changes changed the game no. per se, but. The key mistake was losing Ericsson. Yeah, and you've got to remember as well. Sorry to interrupt you there, but Hennessy also made. I yeah. think we said three in the end. Outstanding saves. You know, let's not take away from the fact that they. It's not just they. We lost him once and they got a yeah. lucky pen. It was they had a lot more chances than us. And if it wasn't for Hennessy making three brilliant saves, I think. You know, we we said yesterday we could have been on the end of a much different result. Yeah, that's that's a fair comment. But I think we're. Attention needs to be is how are we how are we letting players show the natural creativity that they did on Thursday when the opposition is of a much better quality. Yeah. I think the good thing about yesterday was we had fifty percent of the ball. Yeah. So it's not that we didn't have opportunities to do things. So now we've got to work on how we're going to make those opportunities. No, I think that's I think that's very fair. I think what we need to look at here is the reality of the situation which is that Giggs has come into not the easiest of environments, to be honest. You know, fans were, some fans weren't exactly positive about his appointment, us included. Um, and I think he's had to do a fair amount of winning around, and I think he, he certainly did a lot of that on, on Thursday night. Yes. Equally, on the football side of things, he does still have kind of way to go, because we, we can't play like we did on, on, on Sunday. And, and as, uh, I wouldn't say as... It's not unimportant these games because it's the qualifiers that ultimately are, are what he's going to be judged on. But that is a kind of a, yesterday was a, a bar of what we needed to be aiming for because Denmark, as we've said, are a very similar side to us, and we didn't, I didn't think, really get anywhere near that bar. No, this is the. I mean, twelve months ago when it's Colm saying, it's Colm going, but the, the the question was how are we scoring more goals, and we've demonstrated in the five games that Giggs has been in charge, we have means to score goals, and we can do it with relative ease against poor sides. How are we gonna make sure we can do that when the stakes are higher, when the opposition's better? What are we doing for that? And it's a work in progress. I don't think any of us suddenly expected to be going to Denmark and winning 3-0 or anything ludicrous like that. Um, But how can we build on the obvious skill sets that are there, the attacking flair that we have to deliver when the opposition is pressing as well as the Danes were, as, as, as 
organise this the day yeah. before. I think the press was, was the big, my kind of tactical takeaway from it really was that we didn't handle their press at all and they were able fairly easily to kind of push us quite deep and there was a moment, I think we had a free kick on the edge of the box, maybe the corner and I said to you, I can see what's going to happen here and we did a few sideways passes, one backwards pass, nothing was really on, sideways pass, backwards pass and it ended up with Hennessy lumping the ball um, and I and I, I can, I, again, frustration is the word that keeps coming back, that is just how, how I felt and I think gigs, you know, again, learning curve, work in progress, we're knocking all the cliches out but a lot of it is true and I, and I do hope that when gigs reflects on this he'll recognise what he really needs to do and the best thing about this Nations League is he has a great opportunity to do that against Denmark in pretty much a month's time again. Um, so, sorry, in two months, though, isn't it? Denmark's two months. Two months, but Spain we've got Spain, and Spain, Albania. We've got Spain yeah. and Ireland going. Yeah. Months ago. And, and I think that, you know, the Spain game especially is another good example of a team that uh, I'm no doubt they've got a lot of quality. They're going through a transitional phase. It'll be interesting to see how we set up and manage the press and everything else that they're going to do that we, you know, we're going to still need to handle against the better side, be it you know, Spain or Germany or England or France or whoever we play when we play the, the qualifiers in, I think they start in January. Um, so there is still time to kind of get this right. I've been really impressed with everyone's positivity on Twitter. Um, and as always, I feel like we're the negative, <laughs> negative ninnies uh, 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 moaning about things. But I think we're just being honest and, and I think just being realistic. And I think there is definitely a lot of positives to take away from these two games. Um, yeah, just I think a huge amount was demonstrated yesterday. The, the positives are the big picture stuff, yeah. aren't they? The progression of the youngsters, the creativity that we saw on Thursday, yeah. the reliability at the back. You know, the, the, you looked at, I don't know if you saw, saw it, but I saw the goals that the under-21s scored. Yeah, I did see that. And, um, and you could see them playing the same sort of football, yeah. trying to play the same sort of football. And you think, okay, yeah, we have a plan, a progression. Now we've just got to make it work against the better teams. Yeah. Just because we lost, it's not it's not the end of the world. Um, and as you say, I think we are definitely making progress. And sometimes we are going to be making one step forward, two steps back, and until that kind of formula eventually changes around the other way. Um, and hopefully, We'll do that soon because I, I, I do have more faith in gigs than I did at the start of all this. And I really hope that we continue to take those strides forward and can utilise all of our uh, attacking tools against good sides. Okay. Well, there you are. Bring on Spain. Bring on Spain. Viva España. Thank you for listening. Ta-ra.